Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Karlsson, 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 Karlsson Yes, hello, welcome everybody to part two of our Yahoo ranking episode of Keeping Carlson. I'm in discussions currently with Brian Calm all about the rankings that Yahoo put out that are the defaults for people drafting on that platform. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, for this conversation. And this is part two. So if you've missed part one, please go back and listen to it. Otherwise, uh, let's get into it, pal, because we still have a lot more to get to, Brian. So we've gone through all the goalies. And I think we ended with the skaters talking about Evgeny Kuznetsov around, he was ranked as 53rd overall, the 39th forward. And we were both saying he should probably be a bit lower in most fantasy formats. Anything else you want to say off the top before we dig into more of these rankings? Let's keep going. I, we, we Go back, listen to part one first. I feel like every part two is going to start with that. You need the context. Let's keep rolling. All right. So yeah, Spencer Knight came in, as we said, at 69th overall, 11th goalie. Next up, we've got Devon Taves uh, slotting in super high as the 10th ranked defenseman, followed by Chris Letang as the 11th ranked defenseman. Uh, And I just feel like as good as Devon Taves has been, how could, who's taking Devon Taves over Chris Letang? I don't know. I don't get that, Yahoo. Like, I feel like Taves, hopefully he could keep, he was like 70-ish point pace guy last year. Fantastic. Hopefully he could keep that up. Uh, as we heard Ben discussing in his interview recently about the avalanche with Peter Bow, there's a decent chance that someone like uh, Bowen Byram could start eating into a little bit of that time that Taves was getting on the power play or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, and Chris Letang, meanwhile, just got extended by the Penguins. He's like been a sure shot 70-ish point defenseman when healthy forever now. So yeah, I don't get that. Definitely, I think you're going to want to take Letang ahead of Devon Taves. Me too. I don't think we need to spend any more time on that. Like Devin Taves, fantastic season last year. And I think I've said this before. He's this kind of guy where I I look at his numbers over and over and over. I'm like, how did this guy without, you know, substantial power play production end up with a 70 plus point pace, especially he's never done it before. I just don't understand. I can't put the pieces together because even when I look under the hood and it is fancy numbers, which I usually go to natural stat trick to check out, I can't find any reason to believe that Devin Taves didn't deserve most of the 70 plus point pace he was on. Uh, But the one reason to think he might not this year is, as you mentioned, Elon Bone Byram might be nipping at his heels for ice time. He might not have to play or be asked to play as large a role as he was last year. And uh, if I had to pick uh, a push or under, I would pick under. But I still think he's probably going to be good for about 60-ish points. But Latang, of course, is going to be, if he stays healthy, expected to play above that pace. I don't know. I think these Penguins, maybe it's because I'm invested in like a couple draft. I drafted Crosby, Malkin, and Latang uh, all pretty early. I feel like these guys are really pushing for it this year. Like they, they got the band back together. They made the numbers work. Everyone's there for one last push. I feel like they're coming in a pretty motivated group. And you know, I'm not one to put a whole lot of faith in intangibles. And this might be my own bias talking now that I've uh, gotten invested in these three guys, but I'm expecting 
really big things from Chris Letang, at least equal things to last season. Yes, yeah, Fonti's asking in the chat if maybe Yahoo thinks Latang is still an injury risk. But yeah, the last couple of seasons, he's been playing the full time. So hopefully that's going to continue. According to Scott Cullen's projections, Latang should be the fourth ranked defenseman and not 11th. So Brian, hopefully for you, uh, Scott Cullen will be correct. And by the way, Brian, you, did you know that in my Dynasty League, I have both uh, Crosby and Malkin as well. So we could cheer for the Penguins together. Oh, That'll be fun. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I can see why Yahoo had Latang and Taves together. They both paced for 71 points. I just think one of those guys is a lot more more likely to do it again or do even better than the other. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've learned a lot over the years recording this podcast, but I think one constant we've had since episode one is as far as defensemen go, you're going to want the guy on the top power play. That's always going to help you be have solid fantasy potential. And Latang has that job guaranteed. Devon Taves, like no chance of that job. Uh, okay, so next up, uh, how about Jack Hughes coming in as the 50th ranked forward at 71? I love that value there. And then also Evander Kane, if we go a little bit further down as the 53rd ranked forward, they've got Jack Hughes, Matt Duchesne, Drake Batherson, and then Evander Kane. And I feel like both Jack Hughes and Evander Kane just jump out to me as such great value. Like we were talking before about guys like Svechnikov, you know, and then I mentioned some guys who were drafted kind of like after Svechnikov, but still like maybe guys I'm not so, so excited about that were like after Kuznetsov. Uh, You know, like we're looking at guys like uh, Pavel Buchnevich, I don't know, Josh Norris, like solid guy, Sam Reinhart. But I think that I mean, we've talked about this a ton, so we don't have to dive too much into it. But I think Jack Hughes is great value there. I think he's probably going to get 90 points. I won't be surprised at all. And then I feel like Evander Kane, depending on your categories, could be like a second round value guy to draft because he takes so many shots. Oh, and it looks like he's slotting in with McDavid, which is the like, it's like, and we, I know it's like always we talk about, oh, this guy's with McDavid. That makes him good. But like Evander Kane was already really good. And now he's with McDavid and they clicked well in the playoffs and at the end of last season. So I think uh, Evander Kane is like a solid bet to be a 70 point guy, like similar to Svechnikov, but with more shots, more hits, like, everything better. Like someone in the chat here, I think it was, you know who I am was saying that he got sniped on Svechnikov in his couple drafts. So he took Evander Kane. And I feel like you got the better pick there. Yeah, I guess Evander Kane does. I mean, they both do a lot of the same thing, but we were just talking about how Svechnikov's value is kind of limited by the artificial ceiling in Carolina, which does not exist in Edmonton. If you're playing with McDavid and you're Evander Kane, Literally, the sky is the limit. This season could go eh, like crazy for Vander Kane and Elon. You said, you know, he could be second round value with all the peripherals that Vander Kane offers, which is right back where he started. He was there not long ago after a fantastic season with San Jose that was, you know, ended up being derailed by uh, off ice issues and allegations and bankruptcy. Um, not to minimize anything and saying he was derailed, but this is a guy who's putting up three and a half to four shots a game for uh, not quite a decade, but a couple more years. And I'll have been doing it for a decade, uh, throwing hits, blocking occasionally, but like for a forward, that's okay. And obviously pointing quite well, even as a 60 point player, Evander Kane was usually worth taking in the first four rounds. Now that he could potentially be a point per game player or more. And, still do all the things that he was doing. Like, he didn't stop shooting because he was playing with Connor McDavid. Usually that's a concern when you end up, you know, moving to a line with somebody who's known as one of the best players in the world. Uh, Maybe you defer to that player anymore. Nope. Evander Kane's shot rates did not fall at all, which is reason to think that this is going to be a potentially huge season. And yeah, Elon, I think his floor is right around 
where Andrei Svechnikov has been for the last couple of years, but Kane gives you uh, better multi-cat coverage. Also, it's hard for me to believe that Evander Kane in 43 games with Edmonton last year had just four power play points. Like that is second power play production. And I think he was sort of up and down between the first and second unit. So that's something to watch in training camp to see just how sky high his numbers could go this year. Uh, but wouldn't that be exciting too if he became a power play one regular? Hmm, yeah, I wonder if I'll be able to get him for decent value in the tier one auction next week. I- I'm guessing probably not. I think I'm gonna have to pay a pretty penny. Uh, okay, so going down the list, one guy that I think is maybe too high, but again, it depends on your format, but Robert Thomas comes in as the 57th ranked forward. So that's ahead of, in terms of forwards, Tevo Teravainen, uh, Stutzla, Brian Rust, Zuccarello, Pavelski. I don't know. Like, yeah, Robert Thomas had an amazing year last year, 76 points in 72 games. But like, first of all, he had never done that before. And, and you know, he had like a ton more ice. It was, a, it was a completely different role. So yeah, I get that like he's going to do better. And sure, maybe he is a point per game guy, but also kind of like a Quinn Hughes. He's basically the Quinn Hughes of forwards, right? Like nothing except for, well, he did score 20 goals actually, but that was uh, on the back of a 17.4 shooting percentage because he barely shot, like not even two shots per game. Like it's very rare. This is like Henrik Sedin territory to be like someone who's taking so few shots and still a point per game player. Uh, but yeah, 1.6 shots per game. So if he doesn't get a point for you in a game, he's not doing anything for you, which is very frustrating. So if it's points only, but even if it is points only, I still would rather take a Tara Vinen just because we've seen him do it more often and also we don't have to rely on him holding the super high shooting percentage so like i like robert thomas as like a later pick but the way where yahoo has him i'm not taking him there i think i'd love to let someone auto draft him or take that early swing elon when you said that robert thomas was the quinn hughes of forwards i I, like that's exactly where i was going with that i think you hit the nail on the head points only lots of value for robert thomas any league that counts peripherals uh, you're in trouble because on nights he doesn't score, which were exceed- were became rarer uh, as last season went on. He really doesn't do anything for you. And still, even a night in a multi-cat league where he gets you an assist, that still might not be worth a whole lot to you depending on what you need. The good news for Thomas and his point scoring is that his line of Tarasenko and Buchnevich, like I don't see much reason for that to change. Uh, he started the year, if you remember, with Tarasenko and Barbashev, and then finished the year basically playing with, uh, again, Tarasenko and Bucinavich, the two guys he played with most through the season. So I, I like that that is, uh, seems unlikely to change to me. We'll make sure in training camp that that is how things stay. So he's got that going for him. But at the same time, St. Louis is a team like Carolina that likes to roll uh, as many options as they can through their top nine. So you're not going to get enough ice time to be a huge scorer. There's a bit of a cap on just how much you can do. And for Robert Thomas, there's a cap on how much else he can do aside from get you assists and goals every so often. And that's the reason why I am with you, Elon, that Robert Thomas is ranked uh, too high by Yahoo. In fact, he's ranked about uh, in raw rank, he's 40 spots higher than he's going in his cupful ADP. Yeah, I have one guy that I would definitely take above Robert Thomas, but who's a lot lower than him. Like you said, like so Robert Thomas 83 on Yahoo, if you go down to 98, 
There's Mark Scheifele just sitting there, barely scratching the top 100 as someone who's been a point-per-game guy forever. And these last couple of seasons has even gone above that 92-point pace in that shortened 2020-21 season. Then he had 70 points in 67 games last year. I know that maybe there's a little bit of concern because he wants out of Winnipeg. But I mean, come on. Like, is Yahoo really that concerned that they have him down like below Braden Shen, below Robert Thomas? Like I said, like, uh, if you look at line combos in camp like he's getting the same treatment as usual like i saw that he was playing in a split squad game playing with like connor and ehlers on his line so you know he's still the top line center i think as far as i can tell uh and i think that that would be amazing value i would definitely take him over a lot of like pierre dubois is ranked ahead of him trevor zegris is ranked ahead of him and i like trevor zegris but come on that's like in a in a dynasty league sure but for just next year still give me shifley until he shows me that he can't be above point per game or at least point per game why would i not want him as someone i can rely on as a late center very consistently point per game too he is i don't know now we're making player comparisons he's not unlike sebastian ajo he really is someone that you feel like you can draft and set and forget i guess you know the the thing with shifley is there's these disgruntled vibes coming out of winnipeg we don't know like the last time a player was disgruntled in winnipeg was patrick liney and we saw what happened to him there I would hope that an unhappy Mark Shifley does not suffer the same fate. It sounds like, you know, when they took uh, the C away from Blake Wheeler, apparently without without the proper PR moves or even player discussions, I don't know. It, all, it seemed like it was done in a messy way, and it sort of all, was followed by all these stories about a dysfunctional locker room in Winnipeg, none which have been... I don't know. I don't know if I've seen anything totally confirmed or corroborated, but it does concern me uh, that things in Winnipeg aren't rosy and happy and that Mark Shifley specifically is unhappy because uh, he's been a really great fancy asset in the mid 80 point paces for most of the time. Uh, solid power play production. He's a really effective shooter. He's actually one of these guys who can shoot above 16, 17% on a regular basis. But a lot of those guys take fewer than two shots per game, not Mark Shifley. He's been taking two and a half shots per game almost for the last four seasons, which uh, is a real boon for anybody who's looking for a like a high-end converter who's going to be able to pop at least you know, 30 goals and uh, give you really solid, steady production. So I'm hoping nothing off ice does anything to take away from that solid, steady production that we've expected from Mark Shifley. Okay, so now let's talk about some D here. Uh, we talked about Quinn Hughes way back when we were talking about the eighth-ranked defenseman. Uh, then we talked about Devon Taves and Chris Letang at 10th and 11th. Then there's like a group that... Uh, pretty reasonable. Some guys maybe I'd question a little bit, like Dowdy, Darlene, Weger, Theodore, Petrangelo, Dobson, Wierenski. I really like Wierenski. Uh, Haskinen we've talked about. That could be good value already as the 19th D. Then you have Tori Krug, who's like a big question mark to me. Then Evan Bouchard, who could be great, but also could be third pairing. We'll see what Edmonton does. Then 22nd defenseman, Dougie Hamilton. This is a guy who a lot of people thought of as like the third-ranked defenseman going into last year's draft. Huge disappointment. But again, like I keep reminding people, and probably we've talked about 
fought him to death by by now but like he was doing really well to start the year with the devils then he got you know off track because of injuries and then when he came back he wasn't on the top power play anymore and this is definitely something i'm going to want to watch in training camp to just like get that guarantee that he's back on the top power play ahead of damon severson but like yeah just as a reminder he had 12 points his first 16 games he was rolling along and i uh feel like as the 22nd ranked d that's going to be a huge benefit to someone you're taking like a little small risk that he lost that top power play role but brian come on i would definitely want him over like a tory krug who i think is a similar risk and has such lower upside okay yes i'm totally with you but i do just want to talk about tory krug for a second this is a guy that you and i i don't think see eye to eye on like he moved from boston where he was the perfect fit for that power play setup to St. Louis, where he's had a really hard time fitting in. Tory Krug, things have not gone well. He's been bumped sometimes off the top power play. But Elon, I still have so much faith in Tory Krug. Two seasons in St. Louis, it's not like they've gone completely sideways. 51-point pace in his first year there, 55-point pace in his second year there, has seen between a 60 and 65% share of the team's power play minutes uh, for all the talk of him having been bumped. Now, his shot rates have gone down, and I think the Boston system invited him to shoot more and be a bigger part of the power play for sure. I can't speak necessarily to all of the five on five offense and what he's being asked to do in St. Louis, but this is a guy who I still, I still think he's got it. And we loved him in Boston when he was, you know, on pace for 10 more points a season and an extra half shot per game. But to me, that's not reason to cast aside Tory Krug, which I, I feel a lot of people are doing. For example, in my Cupful draft, Justin Falk, got taken ahead of Tory Krug. And I thought that was just plain old disrespectful. Uh, I think Tory Krug is a is a really great late sneaky get because a lot of folks are looking past what he can do. I don't think that it's guaranteed that Krug's 60-point pace days are behind him. It's definitely possible, but there aren't many defensemen being drafted around him who have the same kind of upside and still pretty certain for 50 points as, as a start. All right. Fair enough. Hey, I mean, I'm going by some projections. Like I, I'm seeing that uh, Scott Cullum has him, yeah, pacing as like a 55 point guy, which is what he did last year. I guess it's just like not as many goals, uh, but fine. That Fair enough. So what do you think, though, about Dougie Hamilton in this spot? Like how many of these defensemen would you rather Hamilton over, if any? Yeah, not not a lot. Like Dougie Hamilton for sure is a, is a, is a top end defenseman to me in any format if it's points only yeah go get him if it includes peripherals go get him because his shots should help you too Uh, especially from the blue line he shoots more than your average blue liner even those who are high scoring um i don't know elon this is like a a real softball i i guess i know that we're worried because Damon Severson had taken the job, but we also heard in uh, our Beats interview with Shana Goldman that like he was playing through some discomfort towards the end of the year, and he should be back and healthy and ready to be his best self the rest of the way. I, I don't think the Devils have made the commitment to Dougie Hamilton that they've made so that he wouldn't quarterback their top power play, especially since he's proven himself to be completely capable in the role Uh, through his whole career when he's had the opportunity, which I guess the red flag is he has had opportunity. He's had opportunity pulled away, but over basically two half seasons in Carolina, he was averaging, I don't know, he's pacing for about 27, 30 power play points during his time there uh, while he was on the top unit. 
And I don't see why it should be any different. In New Jersey, the personnel is great with the Devils. I don't think Severson is a legitimate challenger. Uh, I know things were bad for Hamilton on the power play last year. Just seven power play points in 62 games. That includes all the time that he wasn't playing on the top unit as well. But honestly, I think that's just a little gift to anybody who can draft him later than they normally would have in this season's draft, thanks to last year's struggles. Uh, this is going to be, in in my estimation, the lo- the lowest you can get Dougie Hamilton for the next several years. Yeah, definitely. Seems like good value. This is like the total biggest uh, reach I'm going to take here. But I'm looking on Twitter, just trying to get a sense, you know, of like, what's the vibe on him? Is he looking good in camp? I'm seeing there's a... There's someone who works for the hockey writer named Christy who has 23, like that's her like name on Twitter. I'm not just like not saying the last name. It's just Christy, uh, but 2,300 followers. So not a complete nobody. And she was saying how she was watching the scrimmages and the noteworthy players in group A were Jack Hughes, Palat, Holtz, Hamilton, and Blackwood. So at least, you know, I'm just like looking to see just general vibes of is he looking like he's still affected by this injury? Clearly, he was one of the noteworthy players at a scrimmage. So I'm hope I'm going to take that as seeing I, I'm expecting him to be back 100% until I see something, you know, to the opposite. Uh, next up, Owen Power as the 23rd ranked defenseman. So this is still ahead of Darnell Nurse, Jacob Truba, Brent Burns, who we've been excited about. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a rookie. He was first overall. I'm definitely not going to draft Owen Power. I like Owen Power as like a late round guy in the cupful because he could get good peripherals, but he's still behind Dalene. I just talked about him a lot with Victor on that last episode, which was, which was amazing, by the way. Check it out. Uh, our Calder Candidates two-part episode with Victor Nuno, if you didn't hear it, because that was really fun going through every single player that could potentially win the Calder this year. And Owen Power, very high in the list. But come on, in a one-year league, you're not taking him over Nurse or Brent Burns like or over to- Thomas Shabbat who's down at the 28th ranked defenseman. Brian, as a Sens fan, are you like kind of insulted that Yahoo is disrespecting Shabbat like this? Yeah, to some extent. I, you know, Ottawa's getting a lot of perceived disrespect. I don't want to buy into that. I know, uh, you know, Dom's been through it as we talked about it on his ra- on uh, the episode where he talked about his draft sheet with us. They are, uh, he had them ranked 21st in the league in his season projections for 2022-2023. So I'm not going to pile on here and say the world is against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I will say, you know what I think about Shabbat, which is that he has yet to prove that he is a star top power play defenseman. Like this is a guy who year after year has been a power play one quarterback seeing 65 to 70% share of the Sens power play minutes and never Uh, having more than like an 18 power play point pace. And that was the first year he was given the reins. The three years since, he's had 11 power play points in 71 games, 7 and 49, and 13 and 59. These are not power play one quarterback numbers. These are like numbers of a guy who takes turns quarterbacking the top power play. And uh, part of it is that the power play does not run through him. And I'm not sure if that's going to change. We're going to see... I think we're going to see a bit of a new look power play in Ottawa with the arrival of Claude Giroux. My guess is he's going to be on the top unit and we'll see with Giroux on the top unit, how the puck cycles and moves. I'm going to be watching that, uh, but I would rather Thomas Shabbat than Tory Krug, right? I, I don't think this guy's about to get booted off the top unit. Of course, I'd rather Dougie Hamilton to Thomas Shabbat. Also last year, he averaged, th- he averaged three shots per game. The guy plays crazy minutes. Uh, He gets about a block and a half per game, too, and a little more than a hit per game. There's a lot to like about Thomas Shabbat, and there is upside. You know he's going to be good for 50, 55 points, and if something happens to click on the power play, 
uh, like his value could go way, way up. So that's the exciting part. But I'm also not expecting his value to go way, way up and for something to magically click on the power play. It'd be great to happen. And that upside is there, which is reason to like Shabbat more than Yahoo does. Okay, yeah, and I guess they were really nice to uh, Giroux and to Brinkett earlier, so I guess they had to pay it back by having Shabbat pretty low. Uh, we're getting past the top 100 now in terms of the overall ranking, and we're getting to around the 80th forward. And at this point, I'm starting to see some forwards that I definitely think could be good value if you could actually get them this late. A couple that jump out to me, Tomas Hurdle down as the 80th forward on Yahoo. This is a guy who's coming off, I guess it's, okay, fine. I guess he has a 64-point pace season last year. Before that, he was 71 I don't know, maybe I'm just into the Sharks. Maybe this is actually fair. I guess like Scott Cullen has Hurdle having a better season. He has him over at a 68-point pace. So, okay, fine. I won't even bring up Hurdle. Maybe that's reasonable. But how about Rope Hints down then as the 84th forward, who is even lower than Hurdle, lower than, I don't know, let's see here, uh, tr- Troy Terry, lower than Bo Horvat, lower than, I don't know why Anton Lundell, by the way, is at 112, is a 75th ranked forward. I think Lundell, I, I think Yahoo might just like prospects a lot. Like Matt Boldy's also up there. Yeah, that's like pure upside. They're like the anti-Scott Cullen, right? Scott Cullen is always really conservative on pros, prospects. He's like a show me first kind of guy, which we've always appreciated about him. And we talked about how uh, on our last patron cast, which was three hours, by the way, if you want even more, then we're giving you now on our regular feed. Uh, Patrons got a three-hour episode where we did talk about what we knew about the profiles and tendencies of each projector. And what we know about Scott Cullen is he doesn't like to uh, get too far ahead of where we currently are. Uh, and so I'm not surprised that he and Yahoo are at odds about Anton Lundell, where he is conservative on these young guys. And yeah, maybe you are picking up on a trend, Elon, of the profile of the Yahoo projector, which is youth, youth, youth all the time. Let's be first to proclaim a guy arrived. I like Lundell a lot. There's so many unknowns. You see, you talked about at the top of part one of this episode in that Florida depth chart. I'm not ready to, to jump on him. He could be a good late round flyer, although I don't think he's lasting to the late rounds, especially ranked where he is on Yahoo. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's a good late round flyer. I'm probably going to take old man Rope Hins, who's 25 oh, years old. Easy. <laughs> and yeah, he's coming off, I guess, a bit of a down year, only a 74 point pace compared to the 86 point pace the year before. But still, like, he he was fantastic. He's like a sure thing to be in the top six, like be top power play, probably the top line center. So yeah, it's just like such a great situation for Rope Hins. And he looks like he's just a really good player, maybe even upside to be better than what we've seen so far. Uh, like, you know, if we expect Heiskanen to step up like we think he could so yeah that's amazing value to get hints we're seeing here in the chat here that Andy's saying hints went in the uh, fifth round in his draft and Yahoo's got him way down as 128th overall yeah Rope hints also went in the fifth round seventh pick uh, in my cupful draft by Mark who sniped me because in our mock ADPs I felt like Rope hints was definitely going to drop to me at the end of the fifth round and uh, no other centers were taken. Actually, only one other forward between Mark's pick and mine, six picks later, were taken. So, like, I was very, very disappointed. So, way to go, Mark. I hope you enjoy your rope hints. Although, I will say I made myself feel better by uh, telling myself that Jason Robertson, not in camp, could have a, a pretty adverse impact on Dallas. If he's not playing right at the start, that's not great. 
for as long as he's not playing, I'm a little worried about Robe Hints and Pavelski and what exactly they can accomplish. And even if Jason Robertson, when he does join the team, he could start slow. We've seen players. We saw Elias Pettersson. We saw Brady Kachuk. We've seen guys come late from contract negotiations, get that contract signed, and then need some time to work to get up to full speed. And you're just waiting the whole time. You're holding the bag uh, with the, the player himself or the players he plays with, waiting for everybody to reach their maximum potential. So that's how I made myself feel mm-hmm. better, Mark. But but good job. I still would have taken him had he fallen to me. Yeah, I don't think that Josh Norris or Drake Batherson look too adversely affected by Brady Kachuk missing a bit of time to start the year. They did amazing. No, I'm, but Brady Kachuk did. Okay, sure. But we're talking about Rope Hints and how he'll be affected yeah. by Jason Robertson. But yeah, fair yeah. enough. Okay, I guess we're getting to a point now where I won't be talking too much about players who Yahoo has like too high since at this point. There's a bunch of them. But like we're now, we're, we're you know, we're ba- past like 140. I'll throw out like Vasily Podkolzin, another young player that I don't get how he's like the 91st ranked forward ahead of Nick Suzuki, Nico Hishier, Michael Bunting. Like, like come on. Podkolzin's probably not even getting drafted in uh, a couple drafts. Or if he is, I'm sure it's in like the very last round. So, Come on, Yahoo. What are you doing there with uh, Pod Colson? But let me go down the list. So let's get to some, I guess, sleepers now, right? Guys who Yahoo has ranked way too low. I'll get your opinion. One guy that I don't know if they have ranked too low, but I just wanted to get your opinion on him is Andre Palat, who they have 156, which seems fair, actually. Uh, you know, that puts him as like the 100th forward. And that's actually like even better than where Scott Cullen has him. I just wanted to get your take because it looks like in camp, he's been skating with Jack Hughes. He could potentially get top power play also with Hughes. Like, just seems like, don't forget about Andre Palat. I guess on Yahoo, you won't because he's ranked high. So this is not even about Yahoo at all. This is just a general PSA that Andre Palat is in a sweet, sweet spot over in New Jersey. And we saw what he did a couple of years ago in a very sweet spot in Tampa. So I don't know if this is much worse now. Like if you're playing with Jack Hughes, is that that much worse? than playing with a Stamkos or a... I don't know. You tell me. But anyways, I really like what Palat is looking like right now. And I think that if he could fall late enough, again, not based on the Yahoo rankings, but he falls late enough in your league, he's definitely someone I wouldn't leave undrafted. That's for sure. I wouldn't leave him undrafted either. Let's remember once again that Andre Palat's big year came when... Most recent big year came when Nikita Kucherov was injured. He took Kucherov's spot on the power play and cashed in, did a fantastic job. All the credit to Andre Palat for it. I don't see that really uh, that kind of opportunity reproducing itself in New Jersey, except maybe he does get to play on the top unit or on the top line. I, like there's a lot of possibility here. If Palat can play with Hughes, for example, at even strength and on the power play, that would be huge. Um, Palat in the year that he did get to play on the top power play, basically the only year he's played on the top power play in his career, which has been spent entirely with Tampa Bay, had 20 power play points in 55 games, which helped him to a 70 point pace. This is a guy who otherwise is a pretty like steady as she goes at five on five. And he's had some really good line mates at five on five too. So I'm not expecting huge things, but I would love to expect huge things from Palat if he gets a lot uh. of exposure to him. Maybe we could see 60 or more points. It's a great upside pick late in your draft. In the cupful, he's going around 200th overall, which puts him uh, early 14th round, which is about when you're getting to garbage time in the drafts. And by garbage time, I mean, you know, you're, you're starting to acknowledge that your last several players that you draft are likely not going to be on your team for the whole season. So you do start taking those swings because these are the roster spots that you're going to be using 
to you know stream in extra games and make positional adjustments so on so forth so i like palat as a pick there uh, as a guy who's like a high upside swing who maybe he really pays off early and hey maybe he doesn't and you just move on pretty quickly from him without much draft capital invested yeah patty's saying here in the chat like when you're just seconds ago drafted Anders Lee over Palat from your queue, and then Elon says he loves Palat. Like, let's be clear here. I'm saying Palat is someone, like, I was thinking of him as someone that, like, wasn't on a lot of people's radars, and people should be keeping him in mind. But, like, Anders Lee is a top liner, uh, like, guaranteed, right? So I don't think you made a bad pick at all, Patty. Palat's more than someone we're saying is, like, a high upside guy, but also b- big downside, right? He could be the Tyler Johnson. Well, he won't be that bad, probably, but he could fall down a little bit. But another former uh, kid, what, what was that line called again on Tampa? Tyler Johnson, Palat, and Kutra? The triplets. The triplets, right? Of course. And like, isn't it, isn't it really surprising? By the way, that only one of those three is left standing. Well, what Palat? You just talked about him. Oh, no, you mean like in he's Tampa. he's standing. No, uh, not even no, not in Tampa. Just as a reliable producer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One's reliable a top flight pr- producer. <laughs> like n- like Palat and Johnson have not reached previous heights. They're Kucherov like- <laughs> has exceeded previous heights. It's a uh, I would have thought at least two of those guys would hit at the time. Okay, so you're basically saying Kucherov is the Beyonce, and then uh, Palat, Palat is, is the, the Kelly. Kelly Rowland, and then yeah. Tyler Johnson is the Michelle Williams. Yeah, that's okay. a really great analogy. <laughs> All right, so next up, Brian, how about Blake Wheeler? Way down, way, way down at uh, 101 in terms of forwards, outside of the top 100. This is a guy who, like, I just feel like too much disrespect from Yahoo, but also I think a couple drafts. He's falling pretty far for someone who started last year slow. We talked about him on the podcast. Like, Looks like uh, Wheeler may be done. I'll admit it. We were, like, concerned. He only had seven assists in his first 16 games and no goals. Then he, like, missed some time. He came back to be above a point-per-game player for the final stretch of the season. He ended up, even with that slow start with a 76 point pace overall 60 points in 65 games wheeler was awesome and like uh i don't know like he'll fall off eventually right he's 36 years old but if i could get him here like i'll take him over andre palat i'll say that right away i'll also take him ahead of like i don't know who's ahead here joel erickson eck uh seth well seth jarvis is interesting but i still take blake wheeler i think like alex tuck yeah, give me Wheeler as a, like more of a sure thing. I guess I just told you a line combination of Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers, which would kind of leave Wheeler a bit out in the cold. I guess he'd play with PLD in that situation. But anyways. Which is still good. Like, yeah. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is a legit top-line centerman. I think the Jets have two of them. And I'm not really worried, actually, about who plays with who. Like, of course, it's nice to have the full set of a line because I'm not really sure um, who Winnipeg fills out that second line with and how how much of an impact that has like you could say Cole Perfetti if he can step right in and behave like a top six forward then Blake Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois if they do end up together with Perfetti are in good shape um but I think you're right to bring him up Elon is just like a moral of the story guy is he's not washed yet he showed us that last season uh he was one of the most traded players by the way in season seven of the cupful, which is interesting. It says that people both did not and did believe in him, like both sold high and bought low in, in what they thought they were doing. Um, we were ready to give up 
more or less on Blake Wheeler last season, knowing that he could still do well, but just not as well. And I think that's the same sort of lesson here. Like we're not expecting prime Blake Wheeler to show up. The guy's got a lot of miles on him, uh, but you could still expect somebody to be roster, like a, a Blake Wheeler at 36 years old, who's going to be rosterable full season long. I mean, he did put up a 75 point pace for the third consecutive season, which has actually been, uh, he hasn't gone lower than that for the last seven seasons. So until he shows more signs of decline, I still like him as, I might say a 65 plus point player uh, just to be safe. That's conservative, but there's a chance he could still put up a a nice season with the right line mates in deployment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At this place, it's a really good value in the draft, especially because right wings are a little bit harder to find this year. It seems than maybe in previous years. Uh, Next up that jumped out. Okay. So Sean Couturier, I guess that things weren't updated. So fair enough. He's ranked as 103rd forward. Obviously don't take him. It looks like he's going to be out for a long time, if not the full season. I know a lot of people are then saying, Hey, bump up uh, Kevin Hayes. And yeah, so why not? It looks like Hayes could go into the year as the top line center. If it's not a young person like Morgan Frost, like taking the jump, Hayes ranked all the way down at 587, so unlikely to be drafted in most leagues unless people go digging, 268th forward. I'm still, like, not sold on it. Like, I know, like, I should say, like, I know, like, the obvious, like, podcasting rule here is, like, Couturier's out. Obviously, go get Kevin Hayes as someone who could win. Yeah, in the last round, maybe I'll take a shot on him. Brian, like, tell me why I'm, I don't know, I just get, like, bad vibes from Kevin Hayes. Like, he's just too boring and, like, not worth, like, I feel like if I draft him, this is what I'm worried about. I'll draft him in the last round. He'll be, like, fine, you know, like, better than replacement by a little bit. So I'll feel like, oh, I guess I shouldn't drop him. I don't want to give a gift to my league mates. So I guess I'll have to pass on some exciting free agent that I'm into. Then I'm, like, just stuck with Kevin Hayes, who's, like, fine but not great while I pass on guys who turn out to be a lot better so i don't know but it's a really good spot that he could be in just because Giroux is gone couturier is gone like someone is gonna have to center the top line and and do something there right well someone's gonna have to center the top line do something there is kind of a tall task i really think so and of course line one power play one is good no matter where you are and i was actually trying to think of the first like the the most recent top line center who also played on the power play who is not worth rostering. I don't know if you can come up with a name. Like I don't, one of the Chicago guys like Dylan Strom or Tyler Johnson, even when they were there weren't necessarily worth a consistent roster, but it's pretty rare to think of a guy who's not worthwhile. So that makes Kevin Hayes tempting. And uh, he did finish last season pretty strong. He had 22 points in his final uh, 28 games which puts him on a 60, almost a 65 point pace uh, while also taking almost three shots per game. So this is a guy who was doing legit damage and I'm just double checking his line mates. So he was playing most of that time with uh, a mishmash, actually, Konechny, Van Riemsdyk, Farabee, who should all be available to him again this season. Maybe he'll even get Atkinson, which could work out even better. So I like uh, I like Kevin Hayes as someone to remember. Now that Couturier is out for an unknown length of time, I think he could be a, a nice late round grab. The problem with him is he's a center only player. And usually those guys that I take swings on late in the draft, uh, like I'm full up on centers by then. And uh, I tend to, you know, lean winger at that point. But hey, if you're keeping a a center space for you, you still have one available in your lineup towards the end of the draft. Yeah, a line one power play one player is really hard to pass up. And I would at least see what Kevin Hayes can do for the first couple weeks of the season. But still, my, my enduring concern 
is that like who who I know Kim Atkinson's there, Tony D'Angelo, Travis Konechny. It's not it's not a very illustrious group in Philly, and I feel like they're they're going to the tort school of hard knocks. They're gonna learn to do things the right way, which means not actually doing the things they want to create offense until they get personal approval from John Tortorella to do so. Uh, But Kevin Hayes seems like a torts kind of player, and I will watch to see what he does uh, from my watch list if I don't draft him or if no one else drafts him. But honestly, I expect him to get drafted in our 18-round drafts that feature, yeah, 252 players gone. I can see him going in most of them. Yeah, I project that he's going to get drafted and I project he's going to pace for 55 points and that will be above replacement by a little bit. Yeah, especially if he puts up about three shots per game. Like Couturier was going to draft, but I was sort of thinking about him in the 60, 65 point range. 70 point range on a on a solid team. This is not a solid team. So yeah, I'll take a few, a bit of that away, give it to Kevin Hayes. All right, let's go to Boston. Now, Brian, you mentioned, I think, in part one, how Yahoo was kind of disrespecting injured players, just saying to forget about them. But, like, Brad Marchand isn't expected to be gone like that that long, and they have him way down as the 112th forward, 182 rank. I wonder if he's, like, the biggest drop from last year to this year, where I'd imagine he was in the top 10. So, yeah, if your league has IR spots... Yeah, don't draft him in the first, second, third round, maybe. But if you can get him in fourth, fifth, sixth, like there is the concern that Fluto Shinzawa brought up when I did the beat writer interview with him that he's had double hip surgery. Who knows if he's 100%? But we haven't heard anything to the contrary. Like all the news has been that he's on track. And like, so yeah, you could be a little concerned, but obviously Yahoo is just deciding that you should grab Eric Haula above him because he's the 181st ranked. I think I'll just take Brad Marchand there and stash him and I'll get a Eric Haula type out of free agency to uh, bide my time. So yeah, obviously great value there. and Don't let him fall too far in your drafts. At some point, you just got to grab him, stash him, and you'll thank yourself later. Definitely. And like a couple, he's going 64th overall. So that's uh, early fifth round. I think that's fair. I mean, it depends, right? This is the sort of player who you decide, and Brad Marchand, if you are so confident you're going to make the playoffs, you can afford to just roll with him on your roster, depending on your league format, and uh, be happy to have him whenever he returns. Like That's like a freebie that you can get uh, first or second round pick in the fourth or fifth round of your draft this year, so long as you're prepared to to do badly for a little while, which works in a lot of formats, especially if your league isn't that competitive or a lot of teams make the playoffs. That's a pretty solid play early on to remember that Brad Marchand exists and to grab him a lot earlier than his Yahoo ADP. Yeah, and also it's fun to like have an extra spot early in the season to dream in a few guys, especially if you like people who you drive. If you drafted Kevin Hayes in the last round, you can't drop him. At least you have that open spot from, uh, you know, the Brad Marchand pick from earlier because you stashed him in IR. Okay, so we're going down to forwards. I know I said I wouldn't talk too much more about guys who are too high, but I'm seeing here like, I guess this is like, whatever, you're taking swings here at the 194th overall, but I see like Oliver Wallstrom, Arthur Kaliev, which really jump out because then the next, then Philip Heedle, but then all of a sudden Tyler Bertuzzi shows up at 202, which seems just like, why are these guys in the same conversation? Tyler Bertuzzi last year put up a 62 point pace. Uh, Oh wait, sorry, 62 points overall in 68 games. That's a 75 point pace. He'll 
very likely just be in his bumper spot on the top power play once again in Detroit of maybe a stronger top power play this time with David Perron there along with Larkin and Lucas Raymond, I think is probably going to be the four forwards along with Cider. Uh, and yeah, like, oh, and the news came out that he's going to be allowed in Canada. So that's a plus. So he's actually going to play his games this year. So uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, great value there. Another whiff by Yahoo to have him among the likes of uh, Arthur Kaliev and Oliver Wallstrom. I guess younger guys. I guess we're sticking with that. Like maybe, but these aren't even like, you know, your uh, Lundells or your Matt Boldies who are like are really good high upside, like high pedigree guys. Like now we're talking about like maybe one day they'll be contributors to your fantasy teams so yeah definitely give me tyler for and i guess maybe yahoo was just like worried about how he was going to miss those canada games right uh, you know i feel a little more concerned about bertuzzi than you do but not to the extent that i think he's down with uh who was it wallstrom and kaliev like th- this guy's legit i like i i look back to uh the red wings it sort of got out at one point that they were looking to trade Bertuzzi to see if another team would take him. I don't think that ever goes away. And I feel like they still not terribly invested in him, which is a reason to think he will be on the top power play. So maybe they could uh, pump and dump him or a reason that he won't be on the power play because he's not someone they're that invested in or want to reward with these premium minutes. Uh, there's going to be an odd man out on that top unit in power play. Uh, a lot of people think it's going to be David Perron. We had that conversation with Dom on our last show with him. I don't. I, I, I feel like why else bring David Perron, like a pedestrian five-on-five producer, if not to come and do what he does these days, which is just destroy on the power play, which leaves, you know, Larkin's going to be up there. So you've got two spots left. Yeah, honestly, Brian, if I can interrupt, I feel like I've seen this conversation so much. It's like, Verona was never expected to be, like, Verona is not, I I, I forget about Verona to me. I think it's like clearly going to be Perron, Larkin, Raymond, Bertuzzi, and Cider. So all I'm saying is I could see context where maybe Verona and Bertuzzi Switch spots. I think Bertuzzi like, has they take a, an ama- does such a great job net front. He has that amazing shooter per- shooting percentage because he's so good at like, tipping in those shots or you know knocking in the rebounds. Like I don't know, I don't see it happening personally. But I, hey, I can't predict the future, so I, I'm just giving my. I just want people to know that my opinion is there's not a concern about Tyler Bertuzzi on the top power play. Yeah, he looks pretty good net front, and I wouldn't think that's the role Verana would play either. So maybe it would be like a Verana switching with with Raymond, but I also don't see them bumping Raymond. I agree. I think Verana is the odd one out, uh, and I'm not worried about David Perron there. I don't know. I'm just I, I I'm not looking for reasons to justify Bertuzzi where he is, but. I have not been that eager to draft him in my leagues. And remember, there was that stretch last year where he was playing um, for no apparent reason with Pew Suter and Robbie Fabry on the second line for a bunch of the year. And he was crushing it with them, but we dug deep into those numbers and saw that it was not in a sustainable way. Um, So I don't know what to make of Tyler Bertuzzi. Elon, I'm just going to like, I'm going to put it out there. He seems great. Uh, he battled through some adversity last year to ha- still have a great season. I think he probably had better numbers than maybe he should have by a little bit. And he's still playing on a team that I'm not sure fully accepts or likes him. So I, that, that's why 
I would rather somebody else who's going to be like a 65, 70 point forward at that point in the draft. But if he's, if he's the last one available in a tier, I'll, I'll go get him. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to wait for Kaliev to go off the board first. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah. So I'm higher on Bertuzzi than you are. I'm not too worried. Like now, at least, if he gets bumped to the second line, he's playing with uh, Verana and Andrew Kopp. You know, like they're better now So per- with Perron. So uh, yeah, I think he's... I think he's really good. I think what he did last year is pretty much for real. You know, maybe shave away like five points or whatever and down to a 70, 65-point guy, like you said. All right, so going down this list here, anyways, it's crazy to have him at 202. I'd, I'd love to get the Yahoo person here. Just I just, I just want to know this process. Like, how does this is list Is there a Yahoo person, Elon? I think that's an assumption. This we don't like a, know if there's a, a Yahoo person. I have no idea. Okay, well, answer this. Like, I've I'm, tried. <laughs> if anyone listening, by the way, I have tried to connect with people at Yahoo. It's like, let, let's work together. I don't think any, no one runs a bigger fantasy hockey league in the world. We run it on Yahoo, except the draft, which is on Fantrax, fantrax.com slash keeping. Uh, by the way, if you didn't hear it on the last episode, sign up, get entered for Nikita Kucherov jersey. But Yahoo, we could make beautiful music together. Like there's just a few things that you could really work on. If anybody knows how we can get in touch, I've tried. I never get anywhere. So, yeah. uh, oh man, I'd love hook to meet up. We could like get the patrons. We get could crowdsource. We could crowdsource yeah. this. We could get a, a, a beautiful ranking that makes sense. Okay, like this is ridiculous. Okay, like for example, going further down, you know, I'm going to have to pass over Hendrix Lapierre and Connor McMichael, <laughs> like you know, guys that again, these I guess young players that I was excited about. I finally get a 236th. We see Oliver Bjorkstrand and Jared McCann, two guys who we've talked about on Seattle who could have good seasons. Then I keep scrolling down to 252, which I believe would be the last player picked overall, like a couple, right? It's 14 teams of 18 players per team. So that leads to 252 players drafted. And Yahoo's got here, Vincent Trocek, who uh, is like, he's going to play with Panarin on the second line. Uh, I think that uh, that's a pretty good value, right? Trocek's probably going to be at least a 65-ish point guy, if not higher, now that he's going to be playing with Panarin most of the season, if not all of it. You know, I immediately look to find Ryan Strom and be like, okay, is Ryan Strom ranked where we should see uh, Vincent Trocek? But no, Ryan Strom is is ahead of Trocek by not by much. And he is behind Hendrix LaPierre on the Yahoo Raw rankings and Kirby Doc, which is actually fair. Like, or, well, sorry, maybe it's not quite fair, but I was expecting to see Ryan Strom ranked based on his recent performances with Panarin. And that's where we should see Trocek, which is what I... Uh, think in real life. I think Trocek is going to step into that spot. I think he might be a better hockey player than Ryan Strom. It's just a matter of if he can swing into the role. But this is a guy who uh, played so many different roles in Florida and then changed teams to Carolina, played a bunch of different roles there. This guy's a Swiss Army knife. And uh, I don't think it's that hard to play centerman for Artemi Panarin. Like, of course, it's hard. It's hard. I could not do it I'm going to be very honest about that. I admit, I confess, but Vincent Trocek can certainly do it. And Ryan Strom, uh, in his time with Panarin, never got total respect for the points he put up. Like, Ryan Strom, 70-point pace seasons, his first two full years with the Rangers. Last season was disappointing, relatively, with just a 61-point pace. But I can see Trocek being right in there between 60 and 70 points, which is... uh, Needless to say, fantastic value based on where Yahoo has him ranked. Yeah, they totally blew this one. By the way, if you're curious who's the uh, Luke Kunin of that line, because we keep talking about Trocek playing with Panarin in 
training camp so far, it's been Kravtsov getting that first crack. They're keeping the kid line together of Hedo, Lafreniere, and Kako. I think it's been Sammy Blay playing with Kreider and Zibanejad. And then, uh, yeah, Kravtsov over on that second line after spending a year in Europe. So that could be a really good spot for him too. So again, late in your draft. Yahoo's got, as much as Yahoo loves these young players, Vitaly Kravtsov down at 1139, 1139th. So you'll just have to, you know, flag him. You'll never find him if you dig down. He's after... Uh, V- Valtteri Pustinen, ooh, who actually has been playing, I think, on the top line for Pittsburgh in training camp. So maybe he's actually not someone that necessarily you have crapped off after. He's good too. But okay, Lucas uh, Ve- Vedemo, Vegdemo from Montreal is 1136. Uh, Shams Bailey. is pointing out in the chat that something is updated. What's updated? Oh, the Pittsburgh Lions? Probably, yeah. I guess Pustinin is, like, not going to be... Or maybe it's the Rangers. Okay, Shams, let us know, and I'll continue. Okay, so let's see. After Trocek, who I said was at 252, I'm going to scroll for a bit. Nothing too crazy here, which isn't really true. There's some interesting players, for sure. Garnet Hathaway, for some reason, shows up. But, I mean, you know, like, like, not that... We're super late, so whatever. But then you have, like, after him, Ricard Raquel, like, Jacob Voracek. Obviously, guys, you'd want over Garnet Hathaway. But I'm also not going to, like, go crazy over these guys. I guess we'll see if Raquel could get that spot that Pustinin has been playing on. Uh, Oh, so Shams is saying Kreider's advantage at Kako and Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere. Okay, so I guess the Rangers are trying out different things. So, obviously, you're going to have to keep your eyes on at Game Day Lines, which I guess I should have. Let me scroll up here. Uh, why, why don't I have this information here? It's a ban- oh, that was posted today? I don't see it. Okay. Well, anyways, no one cares about that right now. Of my searching around trying to find that tweet. But uh, okay, so let's see here. We talked about some goalies going into crazy spots. Okay, down at 427, we've got Yanni Gourd. And then at 429, Riley Smith. Not much to say, you know, but it's just like, interesting. they'd really jump out around that spot. Because again, we're looking at forwards like Sean Corrali and Corey Perry. Is Corey Perry still in the league this year? Is he still on Tampa? I guess. I think so. Okay. I'd probably take a Yanni Gourd or a Riley Smith. Gourd could be interesting, right? He's, he was injured a bit of last year. Seattle's upgraded. We'll have to see how the lines shake out there. I guess I could look up uh, preseason lines that are just going to change right away <laughs> for Yanni Gourd. But uh, let's see here. Let's see what I could find here. Gourd McCann Coolman was aligned. Oh, no, that's April 29th. Okay. I'm not in my best form right now. Okay, here we go. McCann <laughs> Gourd Eberly. Uh, tweet from Mike Benton on September 23rd. And then Donato, Beneers, and Bjorkstrand. Oh, Ryan Donato. He always sneaks in there in training. He always always sneaks in there. Which, by the way, yeah, I don't know. Because this this setup means that you've got Jaden Schwartz outside the top six, which I guess makes sense, and Andre Burakovsky, who is a a big offseason acquisition for the Kraken, also on line three. To me, this actually looks like a, a top nine. So in in that sense, you know, Gord and McCann, I, I guess we're talking specifically about Gord, but I last year he was everyone's favorite sleeper, Yanni Gord. I was like, wait for Seattle to to dominate the league, be like a top five team, and Yanni Gord leading the way. He's only ever been asked to play a middle six role. He's finally gonna get to shred his stuff, and then he was injured. But when he came back, he was gonna do such great things. And he did okay. But not that great. He did the boring thing that every Seattle forward did. I think there's still that same upside we hoped for last year, but everyone's a, a lot less expectant that Gord is actually going to deliver on that upside. As am I. It seems like there's a there's a lot of wealth to be shared in Seattle amongst the the top nine here. So I'm not gonna get too invested, except of course Maddie Veneers is this year's Yanni Gord. Uh, I think it's actually a pretty 
square analogy, the more I think about it in terms of people getting excited about a guy who's shown promise, but hasn't yet had the opportunity to show it and has a, a look, there's a lot of really interesting combinations possible in Seattle. I don't know where anyone's going to fall, but I'm going to guess there's still going to be for everybody. I'll say except Beneers, uh, a likely kind of boring sort of trajectory for them, like similar to what we saw from Schwartz and Everly through the season last year. Okay, so yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, yeah, he he definitely jumps out at this spot, but I'm curious to see if Seattle will look a lot different this year now that they have these like new acquisitions. Uh, how about a great late D option for you? Shane Gossespair all the way down is a 63rd D uh, right behind Brandon Montour and Mark Giordano. So no respect for his 55-ish point pace that he put up, surprising the world. Looks like he'll stay on the top power play. Yeah, he had, or sorry, he had 51 points in 82 games. We're still a big surprise there. Uh, Brian, I guess we've been talking for like over two hours, so I'll just kind of name a few players here as we get into hurry-up mode. I'm seeing Phil Kessel down at 455. Uh, I know a lot of people are excited. These lines are coming out so far that he's going to be on the top line. We'll have to see if that lasts, but he's in a good spot in Vegas potentially. And maybe we'll need to throw out some of these numbers from Arizona. Maybe it just wasn't a good fit. Maybe he still has some game left in him. He's another guy like a Palat, right? I'd love to get late as a swing and see what the upside is, but at a point where I could drop him if it doesn't work out. Uh, Mike Hoffman is down at 494. Um, okay, I'll throw a couple more at you. Defenseman Colton Pareko and Ryan Pulak in the 500s. These are two great guys if you yeah. just want peripherals. Nice floors from both of those guys, especially in Cats Leagues if you're counting blocks, shots, and hits. A great way to use those deep D slots is to not go for points. I mean, it's great if you can find someone like these guys who you could get... 40 points out of plus steady solid peripheral production that is uh that's not something to sneeze at okay then we've got brendan gallagher way down at 547 i don't know maybe he's washed but i I, he's getting paid a lot still in montreal i feel like he's probably better than nicholas obe kubel who's one spot higher than him. I'm curious to see what Gallagher does this year. I don't know if I would draft him, but uh, then we have Kevin Hayes, uh, who we already talked about, jumps out at 587. Okay, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Down at 683, Jonathan Taves. Are we done with Jonathan Taves? Yeah, I'm actually going to say Jonathan Taves belongs at 683. He's not draftable to me this year. Maybe, okay, so long as you agree, because like he's hurt me a lot. I, I was very hurt last year by my patience for him and my belief in him. He really let me down. So I'm done with Jonathan Taves. I I think everyone should be, but I'm going to acknowledge that it was a particularly challenging. Yeah. I guess it's possible that he just like needed more time to come back from that injury. You know, like maybe he's now like, better like 100 more 100 percent than whatever percent he was before so yeah but who and, knows? And i'll watch him right and everyone's talking about like max domi centering patrick kane and how exciting that is i think it's more i think it's more likely that jonathan taves returns to his former self and becomes fancy relevant centering patrick kane than max domi has like a big string of success and is consistently rosterable playing right. with patrick kane so how about uh, David Krejci down at 829, another like former great player who's probably fallen Love off, that. but I'll take him centering yeah. Pasternak. Yeah, and Hall. And Hall. That's good. This, this is probably the first, it might be the first time in his career where he's had two, like this might be, the, this is the best set of wingers Krejci's ever played with in his career, which is kind of cruel that it's happening at this particular moment. That's how but, they got him back. Yeah, yeah. They said, hey, come back. We'll make it worth your while. Here it is. Pasternak, Hall, Krejci. I like that. But same same situation as Kevin Hayes, I'll just point out, which is uh, he's a center only. You might be deep in that already if position eligibility is a concern for you. 
Yeah, so then we get to... Uh, at, okay, this makes no sense because Yahoo's like loves all of these rookies and prospects. And then Mason McTavish, who Victor and I talked about as like the current highest odds guy on like betting sites for who's going to win the Calder. So if you're going to take a swing on a rookie, take Mason McTavish, I get. Like, I don't know what he's going to do. We'll have to see how training camp goes and see if he like secures a spot on the team and in the top six. But seems like a fun swing at 1,011 where he's ranked by Yahoo. Then I scroll, scroll, scroll. Let me stop randomly here. We've got Luke Esposito at 1258. I don't know who that is. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Okay. 1325. Andre I was really Kuz- waiting. I was waiting to be educated on this. No, I, told, I said we had to go hurry up mode. Let me get to Andre Kuzmenko here on the Canucks at 1325, who, like I said, has been skating with uh, Elias Pettersson in training camp. He's coming off an amazing year in the KHL. This is a guy I'm not leaving undrafted. And I think I like him even better at this point than a Kevin Hayes, than a Palat, even uh, maybe, like, I don't know. I think there's more upside here for Kuzmenko. I'm really excited to see what he can do. He could obviously be a bust, but he's. we'll see how training camp plays out. Obviously, he's a guy you really want to watch and get the latest tweets on to see how he's looking and if he's going to stick on a top line with, or I don't know if that would be the top line, but like, like a top six-ish line with Elias Pettersson. So he's definitely someone that a lot of people are excited about. And yeah, don't forget about him, even though Yahoo has him below Ben King from Anaheim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great catch. Uh, this is Kuzmenko, for anyone who's not familiar, unexpectedly uh, chose Vancouver to sign with after leading St. Petersburg Skov, the KHL, in scoring last season with 53 points in 45 games, outscoring uh, Nikita Gusev uh, along the way, who was actually pacing similarly to Kuzmenko. So take that as a, as a plus for Kuzmenko or a reason to concern. But, I mean, at that deep spot... In your draft, he he isn't going undrafted in the Kukupful. He's going uh, around 215th overall, which I, I think he's a fun pick. And I'm with you. I am not letting uh, Kuzmenko go undrafted. Okay, Brian, I think we've done it. Like Marchenko comes up even later, who's someone Victor and I talked about that could be interesting in Columbus. Uh, but yeah, I think we've done a good job here. We've talked for a couple hours plus. I've had a blast going over the Yahoo rankings with you. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed this uh, prance through and hopefully you got something valuable out of this more, even if you're not drafting in Yahoo, even just to like hear our player discussions, but also if you are drafting in Yahoo to know who are these guys that you need to go and add to your watch list because they're way too far and you're not going to want to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Yeah, and while we spent the whole episode, like, you know, pounding on Yahoo and saying, what's with this? I still really appreciate them having these rankings. It's a great jump off point for having these these bigger discussions on fancy value and players. So thank you, Yahoo, for your rankings ahead of the credits. That's how grateful I am <laughs> to you for this. Okay, but with that, Brian... Uh, what else should I say here? Again, like I said in the last episode, please subscribe to Keeping Carlson if you like our content. We're going to keep good content coming to you all throughout the season. We've got a, a stacked lineup of episodes. Like every week, you're going to be getting a two-part mega show with Brian and I projecting the following week of action and talking about what's happened. You're going to get a couple short shifts episodes. You're going to have Stream Scheme with Dave Betton. So you're going to be getting tons of episodes. We want to make sure you get all of the goods so that you are successful in your fantasy league. So make sure you're subscribed on your Apple Podcasts, whatever. I use Pocket Casts, okay? I think it's really 
really good. I'd recommend you use that actually, but I know a lot of people like Spotify and Google and whatever. Okay. So yeah, definitely we'd appreciate a subscribe, a five-star review at the start of the year. Wow. Like so valuable to us. doesn't cost you anything. And if you do have a little pocket change you want to throw at us, now's the time to become a patron of Keeping Carlson because we've got an amazing community over on Discord. We're all helping each other. Discord just uh, released this cool functionality where we can make threads. It's super easy to ask like advice questions and have your question there and not getting buried under other people's questions. So Brian and I will always be able to see your question and within like a day at most, you know, we'll be in there answering along with all the other smart patrons and other contributors to the podcast. So it's a lot of fun. Join our community. You get that three-hour patron cast we just did and other perks. You can see it all at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. But with that, Brian, cue the outro music. Read us the credits. Let's get on out of here. All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and presented by our patrons, including our super supporters, Patty, Rob, David, Derek, Ryan, Tom, Andrea, Tyler, and Aaron. Thank you to our Cupful coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, for helping us prep for this show by providing the Cupful ADPs. I don't know. If you're not a patron yet, that's cool. Um, there's 717 of them so you could be number 718 but you don't have to be but i'm just saying like kevin's wizardry alone like just in awe like being in awe of it gawking at it is reason for patronage just to see what one person can do with the data that our server and our leagues produce there's just like endless info to chew on including uh, like what draft pick position has borne out the the greatest end of season finishes like all these questions you've had about fantasy kevin knows how to answer with data and presents it anyway kevin is amazing Are we, ew, this commercial is for kevin. A little kevin appreciation we love you kevin you yeah job. and also uh, our team of co-commissioners who've been fantastic keeping all our drafts on track uh thank you to you elon and shams you guys have been crushing it over at gamedaytweets.com bringing all the fancy relevant news that's coming out of training camps for us to uh, desperately try not to overreact right, quote to it, unquote but... fantasy relevant news <laughs> yeah, pseudo fantasy re- i mean it's fun stuff it's fun oh, to see hey, the tweets roll in again it's all we got it's it's a special time of year i know ben and possibly lewis are going to be back soon with their next episode of short shifts you can follow them at short shifts kk follow dave at nhl stream scheme logo art including our brand new cupful logo that you can see at kkupfl.com by brandonweeb.com he's the greatest if you need graphic design you should check him out wait i thought kevin was the greatest uh in their domains okay fair (laughs) yeah outro music by pat roach he's the greatest too uh this episode was researched with help from the greatest dauber hockey frozen tools dauber (laughs) prospects natural stature evolving hockey cap friendly the athletic hockey reference hockey viz hockey database elite prospects and yahoo great job as always brian greatest job maybe i'll leave that to the listeners to tell us wow but uh looking forward to you critiquing my auction draft next week and until then let's just tell people what they should spend the week uh aiming to do as you name your teams and get into drafts and invite people to your leagues, remember to do all you can to make sure that fantasy hockey really can be for everyone. <laughs>